Hey there, I'm Edwina Kennedy, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of two, and this is the My Little Eater podcast. Each week, I'll be dishing out all the best info on feeding and nutrition for your baby and toddler, answering all of your what do I do when scenarios, and helping you gain complete confidence in not only feeding your child, but in parenting as well. Every episode is filled with actionable and proven feeding strategies delivered by a mama and a feeding expert who's been there and done that. I hold your hand and take you step by step through all stages of feeding while showing you how to implement what I teach you so that you can raise a happy and healthy little eater of your own. Let's do this. Hey there. Hey moms and dads. So listen up. Today, I'm going to be talking about one of the most important podcast topics that I'll be recording, and that's because this is the one thing, the topic that I'm talking about is the one thing that will change your lives around feeding if you can implement what it talks about. So if you're sort of half listening, or maybe you're scrolling through your phone, um, you know, not really focused, see if you can find 15 or 20 minutes, just carve out a little bit of time where you can be alone and really take this all in, because this stuff is good. You see, it's all about setting the foundation for how we want to be feeding our children. So this foundation is going to both prevent and manage picky eating, and it's going to ensure that we're not only raising healthy eaters, which I know you all want to do, but competent eaters as well. So if you don't know what I mean when I say competent eater, a competent eater means your child is learning to associate food and mealtimes in a positive way. They're also more accepting of new foods and are willing to try a variety of food because they've developed the skills to do so. They become competent in this area. And finally, your child will learn to eat according to their hunger and fullness cues. So this is all stuff we ideally want, right? We want to raise competent babies, competent toddlers when it comes to eating. Now, we know that sometimes feeding toddlers and babies though is actually really stressful and sometimes actually maybe most times quite the opposite of what i just described right as a competent eater how do you get this okay well this episode today is especially for you if you're feeling like you experience stress around mealtimes with your baby or toddler battles and arguments around how much to eat or what to eat Um, begging, pleading, distracting, or bribing your child to eat, if um, you feel the need to cater meals to your child to get them to eat, or if your toddler is a grazer, they're always grazing on snacks, but they're never really hungry for meals. There's a whole bunch of more scenarios that this would be helpful for, but these are big ones. So if you resonate with any of those, this episode's for you. Guys, feeding is hard. I mean, I feel like half of us, if not all of us, have experienced this at one point or another, right? Like feeding can be one of the most stressful times of the day and we have to do this like six times a day, which is crazy. And we want so badly to do what's best for our kids, both in the short term and in the long term. But it's super hard to cope with what's good for them in the long term, like eating and loving vegetables when it makes them so dang miserable in the short term. So I'm going to teach you today the one approach to embrace and live out that's going to help you deal not only with the issues that I just mentioned but with pretty much every feeding issue so let's dive in the 
feeding approach that I'm going to talk about is called the division of responsibility in feeding. So the division of responsibility, or sometimes you might see it abbreviated in text format as DOR, is a feeding approach developed by Ellen Sater. She is a registered dietitian. She's a feeding guru. She's a world-renowned researcher in the area of feeding kids. And she's amazing. She is just a genius. And she basically sums up this theory like this. Parents have their own roles and responsibilities when it comes to feeding, right? Children also have their own role and responsibility when it comes to eating. And when we do a good job feeding, our kids can do a good job eating. So just think about that for a second. We each have our own roles. We each have our own responsibilities. We both play a part in this dynamic process. When we do a good job on our end with our roles, our children do a really good job on their end. So let's go through what the roles are. The parent's role. We're going to start there. The parent's role is to choose what food is being served. Okay, so for each and every meal and snack, you, the parent, are choosing what is served. So think about that. A lot of times I know people might be like, obviously, I'm choosing what I'm feeding my kid. I'm the parent. I'm the adult, you know. But if you think about some of the scenarios that happen day to day, if you really break down what could be happening in your home, are you really choosing out of your complete free will, your own decision, um, what you're serving? Or are you kind of influenced maybe by what your child wants, what they like, what they ask for, what they cry for? Um, that kind of thing. So just keep this in the back of your mind as I continue through. But parents are the ones to choose what is being served. Parents' role is also to choose when food is served. So this includes all meals and all snacks. You are choosing set times based on an appropriate feeding schedule for your child. I am not going to talk in depth about feeding schedules today, what they look like. I will definitely do that on another episode. But just know that it's great to have, you know, kind of a semblance of a feeding schedule, a routine, schedule times where you offer meals and snacks and you are the one choosing when that is, not your child. Okay, parents also choose where food is being served. So usually and hopefully most of the times that's going to be at the dinner table. There's tons of research that shows the benefits of being at the table, why it's helpful for modeling, family environment, all that stuff. But wherever it is, even if it's in the family room on the floor in front of the TV and you're watching a movie, you set up a little picnic, it doesn't matter. That decision should come from you, okay? So parents, let's just recap. Your role is to choose what to serve, when to serve it, and where to serve it. Those are our responsibilities. So our job as parents is to serve those balanced meals at structured times throughout the day, preferably in a family meal setting. We aim always to make mealtimes pleasant. We show by example how to behave at family mealtimes. We are considerate for our child's maybe lack of food experience, right? Without catering, right? Because we're the one who's choosing. And we let our child grow into a body that's right for them. Which leads me into the child's role. So this is for children who are one year and older. I'm going to just go into their roles right now. So children, toddlers, older kids, they choose if they want to eat from the food that you've provided from them. Okay? Let that one sink in. It's their prerogative completely whether they want to eat something at supper or at lunch or a snack or not. It's not our choice to make. Okay, we've already served the food, we've chosen when, we've chosen where, and now we let them choose if. We're also 
going to give them the choice, the power, their role and responsibilities to choose how much they want to eat. So whether it be a little bit or whether it be a ton within that meal or snack, we're handing over that control to them. It's their right to be able to choose that, to choose what goes into their body from what we've provided from them and how much, okay? Now I want to make a note here. So under one year of age, parents are going to be responsible for what? right? So breast milk or formula along with solids when they're developmentally ready. And the baby is going to be responsible for when, if, and how much they eat, okay? So that changes a little bit where uh, after one year of age, we set the feeding schedule. Before one year, um, we want to go off our baby's hunger cues, right? So as parents, we create, again, that organized and calm environment. We create routine, yet we're responding to our baby's cues for timing, for frequency, and for amount. That's in their realm. But anyway, for the rest of this podcast, we're going to be focusing on one year and up. So overall, let's just recap. When we set up that environment that appropriate eating environment, our kids are able to then decide what to eat and learn over the long term how to eat properly, how to eat appropriately and self-regulate. Again, going back to that definition of a competent eater, it's not about us, you know, dictating every single meal what they're supposed to be eating. To be honest, we have no idea what we're spo- they're supposed to be eating. They know their bodies. We don't know their bodies best, but we want them to develop that competency to be able to self-regulate and to learn over the long term how to eat properly. Um, So you don't need to try this tactic and that tactic and then have kind of this mixed bag of feeding strategies that you pick up from random places that you hear because you're desperate and you just want your child to eat. No more trying to bribe them with dessert or hide veggies in their food or beg them to eat two more bites of broccoli. That stuff, guys, that stuff backfires big time. Those are pressuring tactics. And again, something I'm going to definitely talk about in another podcast episode, but just know this in the meantime, that if you're using these, if you're relying on these tactics, you may potentially get short-term quote-unquote success by getting them to eat that one extra bite of broccoli at one meal after a long battle at the table if you even call that success sometimes I I question I'm like is that one bite of broccoli really changing the trajectory of their of their health outcomes Um, but more than that you won't be teaching them to be a good healthy eater on their own in the long term again you're not teaching them competency at the table And tactics like that can actually even make picky eating worse for a lot of kids. So you'll be stuck in that place forever if that's the tactic you're using. So if you can trust me on anything, trust this. The DOR, the Division of Responsibility, is the one, number one, feeding strategy that will get you what you need and want. So you're never going to have to use another one again. Okay? So really let that one sink in. And... I know guys, like listen, I know it's really difficult sometimes to implement this philosophy. I think what happens is a lot of times we first hear it and we're like, yeah, duh, obviously I'm picking when, I'm choosing what, but then you dig in and you're like, oh, actually I'm probably not and I'm probably swayed here and I actually am letting my child choose like when to have snacks and how many snacks and all that stuff, right? And so we start to freak out and we're like, oh God, oh God, this is harder than I thought. I don't know if I can do this. So I know it's hard sometimes to implement this philosophy, but this is where trust comes in. So something that I talk a lot about to my clients is the trust cycle. And basically it's being able to fully trust our toddlers to choose if and how much to eat based on what their body needs from the food that we provide them. That's critical to all of this working out. 
if you can trust them to do this, then your toddler's actually given the chance to listen to his or her intrinsic cues for hunger and fullness, while also empowering them to learn to eat the foods that you eat. So by trusting them, it also removes any pressure for them to eat certain types or amounts of food, which can backfire. It also takes some of the pressure off of you and allows you to stress less around mealtimes when you can trust that they can carry half of that responsibility in their own feeding, right? So remembering that I'm trusting my child to do their part and they can do that. They can handle half of that responsibility. And at the same time within this trust cycle, it means that they, our toddlers, can trust us to do our job, right? We forget sometimes that babies and toddlers need to feel that they can put their trust in us to provide that structure and regular meals and snacks at set times in a confident manner to provide that predictability, right? They won't have to ask for snacks all the time because they know that you have a schedule for them. You've got their back. You're ahead of this. You're on top of this. They'll actually want to explore food on their own because they'll trust that you'll make it a positive, pressure-free experience. And they're going to trust in your ability to maintain safe and predictable boundaries in feeding, which then removes the need for them to act out in defiance, to test boundaries and to push limits to understand where they are, to understand how much power they have, to understand how confident you are in your parenting. So when you set these feeding boundaries and expectations, they can trust that they are in a place of safety and that you have the predictable environment and your own predictable role is set up. And the more they can trust that, the less they're going to act out in response to feeling like they need to take control because you aren't. So they feel safer. They feel confident that you're taking charge of the things that you need to take charge of. And so guys, this trust cycle between you and your child is everything. Okay. So it's something that, you know, we really want to work on in, in terms of our mindset is to be able to let go of what we can't control, control what we can, trust the process. Now, oftentimes when there's a problem in feeding or in eating and, you know, clients come to me and they're telling me about like these issues they have at the table, at the dinner time table, and, you know, they can't get their child to eat or whatever it is, even behavior issues at the table, it's actually a result almost 99% of the time, it's a result of a mix-up in our roles, okay? So it's a result of lack of trust and um, boundaries actually being crossed. So this is where much of the mealtime battles start. So here's an example. Imagine your toddler starts to eat really little at breakfast, right? So of course in the beginning, you just start by encouraging him or her and you're like, oh, have some more. Come on, you, are you sure you're not hungry? Come on, please eat some more. And eventually gets to the point where you actually start to make him or her finish a portion of their plate or their whole meal before they're allowed to watch TV. Okay, so you start to be like almost setting up this bribe. Like you can only watch TV. You can only watch Paw Patrol if you um, finish all of your eggs or something like that. And then your toddler then starts to learn this pattern at breakfast. He starts to realize, okay, you know, mom's going to start begging me, start bugging me, start bribing me. She's going to argue with me, even though I don't want to. And I've indicated I don't want to. I know this is going to be the routine. And so he or she begins to put up a fight immediately. Even before they come to the table, they can anticipate the battle, the coaxing, the stress that's associated with breakfast. And then they start to put up a wall more often than not. 
And then they just begin to dread mealtimes in general because of the negativity and the pressure, which continues to snowball into more pressuring from you. And then they're fighting back even more. So you get this big battle that's just constantly starting to happen at every single meal. And you're probably like, what is going on? I can't get my child to eat. And they're like, I hate mealtimes. This sucks, right? So let's break down what's happening here. First of all, the parent, okay, is overstepping their boundaries and they're moving into the toddler's realm of choosing if and how much to eat. Now, I know it's hard not to. I totally understand that this is not an easy thing to do in the beginning. However, the lack of trust that it creates isn't worth it. So what's better is trusting that, okay, maybe he or she is just not hungry, right? Maybe their appetite at breakfast is just low right now. And they're going to be able to eat a snack two to three hours later. Because remember, you've got a feeding schedule in place. And then by trusting them, they're actually going to remain pleasant and open at breakfast. And although their intake might be low for a bit, even if it's for a week, you know, they're going to start eating again a little bit more maybe in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to trust this process. I'm going to trust that my toddler knows what they need. And when we let our toddlers do their job, what happens? They start to relax more at mealtimes and they're going to be more likely to cooperate because they feel respected. And so with this continued structure, they're going to eventually make their way out of this without you having to fight them on it and try and, you know, force them to make their way out of this. And they're going to do it in a much better way. So if you find yourself in a struggle dealing with maybe constant snacking or making special meals because your toddler refuses what's at the table, or maybe um, you find yourself always in this dinnertime argument with your toddler and you find your anxiety levels, you know, around mealtimes starting to rise, I want you to stop and ask yourself each and every time you feel like this is happening, am I doing my job in feeding? Is my toddler doing theirs? So in other words, have I served a meal that I deem to be fit? And so it's not based on my toddler's, you know, special requests or refusals. Have I served it based on routine timing and not based on my toddler's demands to eat? Have I chosen where it's being served versus letting my toddler choose to eat what they want or on their own or on, while they're playing, that kind of thing? If so, if you have done all of these things, congratulations. You have just successfully fed your child, and your job is done, okay? A line is crossed right there. You have completed your job. Now, whatever happens after that is totally your child's job. Your job is not to get your child to eat X, Y, or Z, right? Not in specific amounts or not at all. That's their job. There's another quote by Ellen Sater that I'm going to just throw out here because it's good. And it says, if you are working harder than your child to get food into her, you are crossing the line, okay? And I couldn't agree more with that. You provide the environment and the structure and the modeling. And yes, you can implement techniques and strategies behind the scenes, which I go through in detail in my Feeding Toddlers online course. Um, So if you're looking for a full roadmap on how to do that, by all means, check out the course. It will really help you. But then after that, leave the rest, okay? They will learn within that beautiful environment that you've set up for them how to eat. And so just remember, if you've put a meal on the table for your child, you've done all the things that fall in within your realm, you've done your job. You aren't a bad mom or dad if they chose not to eat it. 
They are probably just not hungry. You aren't a bad mom or dad if they chose everything but the veggies. They're still learning. You aren't a bad mom or dad if they scowl or whine. They're just expressing their feelings. So mealtime should never be a battlefield. Again, anytime you start to feel that, you know there's a crossing of boundaries happening somewhere. When our toddlers resist us at mealtimes, it's not a sign that they're ungrateful or they're cruel or they're manipulative. Rather, it's a reflection of their innate need to test our leadership. When we're confident in our decisions around our roles and firm about not giving these roles up, they become more confident in our ability to lead them and they won't test us as much. It also means that food can't be used as a way to get our attention or create drama when they know how much or what they eat isn't really an issue to us anymore. It kind of takes away that power completely so they can't use that playing card. And when you guys get this right, And it usually only takes a couple weeks or so for most families, especially if, you know, you're kind of starting this as you start to see picky eating emerge and you don't have a really extreme picky eater. The stress, guys, the stress is going to melt away. You can then just focus on the actual joy of eating together. And then you're going to see them progress with eating. So you start with this foundation, you get this in place, you remove the stress, you remove the battles, you create this positive eating environment. And then you're going to see all those picky eating strategies that you learn about from me, that you hear about in my course, or you hear about on Instagram or wherever. Once you start to implement those, they can actually start to work because of the foundation that you set up that sets up this trusting feeding relationship only when that's in place can the rest work i know there are always a million questions around how to implement division of responsibility properly and what to do when you know all those scenarios that come up questions like but my child won't eat unless i make a favorite food Or what if my child never chooses to eat a vegetable on their own? Or what if my child is underweight or overweight? How can I let them take full control of how much to eat? So these questions are all valid. They're common. I know there's a lot more to know about this. And I want you to know that I will definitely be dishing out more info about this over, um, you know, multitude of podcast episodes. But if you want help and you want solutions and you really want to know the full picture, again, guys, my Feeding Toddlers online course will really do that for you. It's going to provide that complete roadmap um, with support from me because I do offer support through, um, you know, a client's only support group and options to do one-on-ones with me. Um, That is going to completely transform your meal times, And it's going to give you all the skills that you need to prevent and manage picky eating and just raise a healthy, competent eater. I'm so confident that this foundational approach makes sense in every feeding scenario, so much so that I want you to try this and I want you to ask as many questions as you can as the process goes on. You can hop into the My Little Eater Facebook group. You can ask tons of questions there. You'll have parents responding and asking and putting in their input as well as mine. And let me just help you through this process, okay? It's going to take patience and perhaps a bit of discipline in terms of breaking old habits, but I know you guys can do this and I believe in the results. So I hope that this podcast episode resonated with you. I hope that it could provide a little bit of insight into where to start if you're looking to really create that good feeding environment and 
feeding dynamics at the table, raise that healthy eater that we all want and we all strive for. So let me know what your thoughts are. Leave a review, please, and go ahead, rate the podcast because it helps so, so much to get this podcast out in front of all sorts of parents that need the help just like you guys do. So much love and happy eating. Talk to you next week.